shoulders. Tell me what you see. The kick is long and strong. He snakes at home. We'll be breaking borders underneath our feet. He's within range now. A third bounce. He's hot, but he gets oh. it and he's both kicks the goal of the day. On 88.3 Southern FM, this is Beyond the Boundary. Well, in a world where we never thought we'd see football returning, it's returned in the AFL level, but what does that mean for local football? Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Southern FM's 30th year of covering local football in the Bayside and Greater Bayside suburbs. My name's Carl Bianco. It's great to be with you this Sunday morning where we hope that local football will be returning, and that's going to be the theme of the show, a special local football edition here on 88.3 Southern FM for the next hour and a half. But it wouldn't be right if I was uh, riding solo on the show this morning, and it's great pleasure to welcome somebody who is familiar to these radio airwaves. Uh, been a little while between drinks on this radio station, but it's fair to say it's great to have him here also on a Sunday morning in this time slot. The great Ian the Wiz Doherty Wiz. Good morning and welcome back to Southern FM. Well, thanks, Carl. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. And uh, we were just working out before we went on air. It's uh, got to be close to two years since I've sat in this studio. And the Blues Giardi here at Southern FM still smells a little bit like John Bennett. But uh, that's uh, perhaps a story for another day. And it is local footy, Carl. Uh, the AFL are up and running. But there's plenty of opinions about local footy. So that's the theme for today. Today is uh, local footy to play or not to play. A little bit of Shakespeare there, Carl. I know you're right into that. And um, we've got plenty of guests lined up for the next hour and a half. We'll be speaking to the CEO of the Southern Football Netball League, Lee Hartman, the CEO of the VAFA, Brett Connell. Uh, of course, uh, a local club man in Cole Anderson from the Chelt Footy Club. And later on, my boss, Daryl Pittman from the local footy show on Channel 31 will be joining us as well. So plenty lined up. But Carl, local footy, uh, to play or not to play. Now, at the moment, we're aware, and these things are changing all the time. We've seen the uh, Northern and the Eastern Football Leagues in Metropolitan Melbourne decide that they've cancelled 2020 season. Uh, on top of that, I think the Geelong Footy League, the Ballerine, the Geelong and District, the Colac and District Footy Leagues, there's six South Australian Country Footy Leagues have decided not to play this year. The Chelsea Footy Club have officially withdrawn from the Mornington Peninsula League. And there's plenty of others still yet to make their decision. On the other hand, there are plenty of others who are keen to play. So we're going to get to the bottom of this and form our opinions. And we want everybody's input, Cal. Certainly do, Wiz. And you can contribute any time throughout the program. A special local football show this morning until midday. 0404 736 Wiz, we've got our uh, first guest on the line, and we do appreciate all our guests' time, but particularly this man. He's the CEO of the Southern Football Netball League. I speak of Lee Hartman. Lee, good morning to you, and uh, welcome to the Southern FM Airways. Good morning, boys. No worries at all. Thanks for joining us, Lee. It's Wiz here, mate, and uh, good to hear your voice again. It's been a little while. Um, So, now, the boys, we've seen an announcement recently that uh, the Southern Footy and Netball League, along with the Essendon and the Western League, uh, have uh, decided that they're keen to go ahead, but they're operating with a $0 salary cap. Um, it's a pretty complex thing, Lee, isn't it? Yeah, it is. There's lots of pieces to the puzzle. Um, but, yeah, we just felt the three leagues ourselves, and obviously working with the Amos as well, who were still looking to get away, um, obviously paying nothing. The four leagues thought that they would be the best 
way to go forward, especially with Northern and Eastern pulling the pin and, you know, several of their, their players, you know, p- potentially still looking for a kick, flooding or coming into other leagues. Um, we just didn't want that to be a detriment um, or the financial risk to our club. So um, we got on the front foot and made that call. Yeah, there are, and, there, and there is risk, of course, associated with this. We're, we're trying to cut through to uh, the real hard stuff on this, and we're really uh, glad that you've joined us. I know there's a lot of chat around. You see it on social media. I've spoken to a lot of friends. They're all saying, look, I love my footy. I miss my footy. I really want to get my footy back. Um, but we really can't afford to make these decisions based on these emotional arguments. This is all about financial sustainability and safety, isn't it? Yeah, safety is obviously paramount. It's the number one consideration. Um, and then obviously the sustainability of our clubs, um, you know, is um, the next club off the rank there. We've got to make sure that our clubs, if we do get away, can afford it. Um, there's no good, you know, putting clubs in the debt, um, some clubs further into debt and, you know, trying to make that up in future years. So we, we're very mindful of that and we've made some decisions, some other decisions to help with that. Um, but, yeah, we, we're very mindful of that. So I'm mindful too that there are clubs out there, there's always the haves and have nots, so there'll be, and given the tribal nature of it, there'll be some out there that are in a financial position where they can proceed, and they'll be, I can almost hear some of them saying, well, you know, if they can't afford to play, you know, stuff them, but I think the bigger picture here, and we've heard this said, we're all in this together, uh, you know, they really be critical clubs that can't afford to play is probably the wrong thing on behalf of the other clubs because uh, if some of them go broke, uh, they'll be criticising the league next year for having a Mickey Mouse competition with half the number of clubs if uh, if it doesn't work for some of these guys. So it's the big picture that we're looking at here, isn't it? Yeah, look, for sure. And I think until we, um, we as a league were released what the fees would be for the year, everything from you know affiliation fees to umpire fees to you know, fees for footballs, um, um, everything else that we have, insurance, those sorts of things. I were a bit nervous on what that model would look like, but once we released that, which was about oh, two, two and a half weeks ago now, um, but they're a lot more confident that they'd be able to play if we do get up and running. Um, you know, we've, not only the players have taken a, a pay cut, but the umpires have. We've slashed the affiliation fees, quite a few other things to look after them. So when they've gone away and done their numbers, I think they've realised that it's not, um, you know, it's not going to be too onerous, but it's... At the same time, they will rely on, if we do get away, some of their rusted-on sponsors sticking by them, um, players paying their membership fees, which is a struggle at the best of times. So yeah. with half the season, how that looks, those sorts of things. So, look, there's, there's plenty that goes into it. But um, I think the financial side, look, when we first went to them, there was probably half and half, sort of 50-50. And then um, since we've had those um, president's meetings, we've had a couple of them in the last two weeks. Um, yeah, it's probably pretty much everyone's on board. When you saw other Metro leagues, such as the Northern and the Eastern leagues, come out and make a statement saying they're, they're completely writing off their seasons in 2020, did that come as a shock to you? Um, look, we've been working closely with the six uh, senior Metro leagues and the two junior ones since March. So we've sort of uh, been meeting twice a week. Um, so when the announcement was made, it wasn't really a shock because I, I knew what had led up to that. But I thought, I personally thought they could have waited another week or two, but obviously each league's run by an independent board and they're also got pressures from their own member clubs who they represent. So look, each to their own and at the end of the day, even the four Metro leagues are left, they will make an individual decision, although we are trying to work together where we can. But um, yeah, shock probably wasn't the right word. I'll probably, look, at this stage I've called off their seniors. They're still looking to run junior football. And I think Northern's looking to run netball as well. Um, so they're still trying to get some football up. But, um, yeah, at this stage, we can really only concentrate on what we're doing. And at this stage, we're still looking to play. Yeah. 
So looking ahead, should there be a, a season for the Southern Football Netball League? Is it primarily going to be uh, seniors first or do you see reserves under 19s, even potentially thirds and women's footy in the scene with netball as well? Yeah, we canvassed our clubs on this. Um, we weren't too sure what they'd say, but they all came back very strongly and said it's working all in. So if we're running competitions for seniors, we should be doing it for the rest. There has been a few clubs flagged that, depending on when we announce uh, resum- resumption dates, what their numbers will look like through the twos and the thirds, and um, we'll obviously give our clubs plenty of time to come back to us and say hey, we're in or we're out for certain grades. Um, and look, even if someone in the seniors didn't want to play, we'd accommodate that as well and just fix it around that. There'll be no penalties around around doing that. We need to work with all of our member clubs to make sure they're here. So at this stage, all the clubs are telling us they still want to have all those grades. Um, at the end of the day, it's going to be the participants on who turns up. Would you be encouraging some clubs, local clubs, say for an example, a St Paul's and a Bentley coming together for the sake of putting a reserve side together to have a competition reserves or under-19s or whatever competition it may be? Yeah, potentially, and we've spoken to some clubs that have got thirds, and if we do end up having gaps in the reserves, you know, we can push them third sides up. We've also got Sandown who play in the thirds only, don't have, not in the in the divisional structure. They've indicated that um, it's the preferred option to play in the thirds, but if need be, because um, Cerberus have had to withdraw, um, being part of the ADF, um, they may pop up as well. So, look, there's plenty of options for us. It's just a matter of, at the end of those clubs, entering um, the sides that they wish. If you've just joined us, you're listening to Beyond the Boundary special post-COVID, uh, we're calling it post, I guess it's not quite post yet, the local footy special, and we've got Lee Hartman, the CEO of the Southern Football and Netball League, on the line. Lee, I'm keen to unpack uh, what you're talking about, reduced rates and fees and umpires' fees, and how that actually looks, because as an organisation, you're responsible as chief executive for making sure that you're sustainable, so I mean, presumably you guys need to be uh, scratching out a few invoices as soon as possible as well, so how does it look look like in terms of the overall cost for a club? Yeah, well, it's, it's always been based on um, what teams you enter and what division you're playing and those sorts of things. So, But look, as a rule of thumb, um, if we end up getting um, half a season away, I just saw Dan Andrews' press conference before I jumped on the line here, and that's very encouraging what he said to say this morning about resumption of playing. Um, the affiliation season would be pro-rated. Uh, the umpires have taken a... Um, a 20% cut across the board, but we've also been able to, um, I suppose, streamline what umpires we actually need. You know, in the lower grades, we won't be having boundaries and those sorts of things just to save costs. So their, their total cost for umpires will be about a third of their normal full total okay. um, yep. um, cost. Um, football, we've said to them, normally they take 12 in a year. We said that's out, out the window. If you've got footage from last year, you use those, but if you need to buy some, we'll sell the cost and those sorts of things. So, We've really, we've really um, you know, dived right into it and said where we can save you money, we will, and the clubs have appreciated that. So when we're talking about having a season, if it happens, Lee, how does the structure of that season look? I mean, we're, we're now in the middle of June, uh, and obviously there's a, there's a finite amount of time that you can play footy because cricket will want to get started at some point, you'd imagine, in early to mid-October. So are we talking maybe nine games in a short and final series, or how does it work? Yeah, look, the clubs were adamant when we spoke to them that for a season to get underway in each division, they'd want to play each other once as a minimum. So obviously in, in Divs 1 and 2, that would be nine rounds and the other divisions, seven rounds. Um, but based on what Dan Andrews has come out this morning and said con- contact training can start from July 13 and playing can start a week later from July 20 for adult sports, um, we could potentially start on July 25th. Um, 
August and September have nine Saturdays this year, so there's actually ten Saturdays between Saturday, July 25th and the end of September. Um, and AFL Victorian Cricket Victoria, you're, you're probably aware, came on agreement to allow um, community leagues to play finals during October as long as they're not using district or sub-district grounds. So that's been a great um, win for us because we, we don't use those for our finals. So, um, you know, the lower division's probably three weeks. Uh, we do need to finish by October 17. Um, that's, that's a requirement for the um, agreement with cricket as well. Um, and potentially the AFL Grand Final maybe on October 24 or 31, so we obviously need to finish before then. So, look, I think we could get nine or ten rounds and three or four weeks of finals. I think that's going to play out OK. The big question mark is still around crowds and those sorts of things. Mm. Um, there wasn't much clarification on that this morning from the Premier, so we just need to delve into that before we make any final decisions. But the first step is getting the dates and seeing what it looks like, which we now have, so that's um, a good step forward. Sounds like the crowds are the critical thing too. We saw, uh, interesting last night on TV, some uh, small crowds at the Adelaide Adelaide Oval, so that's a start. Um, I'm wondering about your team in there at head office as well, Lee, and obviously um, there are a lot of people and resources in there that have got to make these competitions fly, but in these times I'm aware that people have had reduced hours, reduced wages in order to manage costs. How, how's that affecting you and the team? Are you uh, you obviously working for about 20 bucks a week at the moment? or? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank God for JobKeeper. Um, look, to be honest, without the federal um, JobKeeper, we, we would have had to put people off. There's just no doubt about that. Yeah. Um, as a league, you know, we've made a massive investment um, a cash investment into um, RSEA Park uh, some 18 months ago, um, which was um, quite, quite took a big dent out of our cash flow. So yeah, there's no doubt, there's no, there's no doubt that um, you know with these times and having no income, um, a lot of our major sponsors are stuck by us, which has been great as well. But with our job keeper, yeah, we definitely would have had a different scenario than we've got now. But look, the, the staff have been up there; they um, they love their jobs as well, and um, you know we've. The board, the board and myself have guaranteed their jobs post this, whether we play or not, and whenever that may be. But it looks like now, if we can get back, that'll, that'll turn that around fairly quickly. So I've got one other question, and, I, and this is a hypothetical in some respects. I was talking to a friend of mine who's a lawyer during the week, uh, and, we, and we talk about safety, and obviously there's measures in place, go out to buy for Victoria and all those sort of things around um, keeping things clean and what they can and can't do. Um, there's obviously a compulsory insurance component for all players that covers injury. What would happen, do you think, if a player in the Southern Football League's playing footy this year, contracts COVID-19 whilst playing, and, um, you know, God help us, God forbid, the uh, the worst happens and, and we would lose someone for, from that perspective. Where does it leave yourself and the directors in terms of liability? Yeah, well, obviously we're all covered by public liability insurance through the, through the AFL. Yeah. But the AFL have made it quite clear um, that they they set um, what they've termed at the moment return to train protocols, and then we'll be played that we return to play protocols. So the advice from the insurers are if you are following those protocols and don't go outside of those, um, that you'll be okay. Obviously, as you mentioned, we have um, injury insurance, but there's no um, no medical insurance. So you know, in the past, if you're playing on muddy grounds four weeks in a row and got the flu, yeah, that's sure, not, you know that's not covered. Injury. So. Obviously, um, um, COVID-19 is fully covered through the Medicare system if you need to go to hospital and those sorts of things. So yep. that's where that picks that up. So for the insurance side of things, um, for the players' insurance is, is the um, injury insurance and then the clubs and the league ourselves, we do have public liability insurance. But, but at the end of the day, if everyone is 
and you, once again, it's an assumption, you're following the protocols. Mm. Um, they shouldn't have. They shouldn't have a worry. It's interesting. I was just signalled to Carl. He had a question, but just following on from that. I mean, the protocols around say ground inspections every day. The team manager is supposed to meet in the centre of the ground and sign off the condition of the ground. And we know that perhaps that doesn't always happen in the past. So this is going to require a new set of disciplines for club officials as well, isn't it? Yeah. Look, and that's that, that will play a part in our decision making because we haven't seen the final return to play protocols. Um, they they obviously need to be thorough, but at the same time, they can't be too onerous, um, you know, on, on volunteers, so we're quite aware of that. So we'll, we'll look into those and make a, make a decision when we see those as well. Yeah, you're right. It is a very complex thing, Lee, no question about it. And, uh, you know, there's I, I know there's a lot of people concerned about uh, safety and, and uh, their insurance coverage, etc., etc. So uh, that'll be an interesting one to watch. Just going back to the competition structure, I know time's running out. Carl's already giving me the wind-up here. But in terms of finals, so we're in a reduced yep. competition, and it might be, you know, if we've got 10 Saturdays between now and the end of September, presumably you can get eight or nine home and away games in. How does the final work? And finals work and the other one is there are going to be some clubs who don't want to play I mean I see Chelsea Footy Club have officially withdrawn from the MPNFL and there's others that are expressing some concerns about it if they decide not to play how does that fit in with promotion and relegation between divisions yeah we've, we've been on record to say as far as competition structure how that looks promotion and relegation all those things we wouldn't or well, the board would make a decision on that until we knew what we were looking at. Um, mm. Now that we've got some dates and we can start to look at those things, that they will be topics of conversation over the next couple of weeks. But um, there was always going to be a case where, you know, probably only three weeks ago, we were looking at potentially only playing home and away and no finals. Then you obviously couldn't have promotion relegation, but because the landscape is changing quite quickly, you know, those conversations need to be had now. Now that we know what we potentially could be looking at, just one final one from me, Lee. Uh, the netball is just as important these days as a football uh, when it comes to the Southern Football Netball League. Do you think uh, netball is going to come back and have you got uh, Sue Kimber assisting you with seeing how that's sort of going to plan out in the coming weeks? Yeah, look, we're on record of saying we'd always run netball irrespective of what football happened um, for a few reasons. One, we don't have the pressure to get off the courts for another sport like we do with football so we can go later if need be. We do have access to those courts you know, right through October, November, etc. You know, preferably we wouldn't want to go that late. But, yeah, definitely we will be playing netball. Uh, this year we had a record number of teams entered before the season. I think it was 110, so up from 100 last year. We canvassing the clubs. We still think we'll potentially get, you know, 70 or 80 teams in. So I think it'll be a worthwhile exercise. And now even to the future, you know, we may look at summer comps and those sorts of things anyway, but it's sort of been on the radar a few leagues to do that. So netball, definitely 100% goer, um, and the clubs are supporting that as well. Beautiful stuff. Hey, Lee, it's been uh, great to have you on this morning on 88.3 Southern FM. Uh, big job for yourself and all the other CEOs of the Metropolitan Footy Leagues around Victoria. Really appreciate your time this morning, and hopefully it's not the last time we hear you on uh, 88.3. No worries, boys. Have a good day. Good on you, Lee. Thanks for joining us. Lee Hartman, the CEO of the Southern Football Netball League. This is a local football show special here on 88.3 in our 30th year of covering local football and netball. We will take a break, and right after this, we'll be joined by Cole Anderson of the Cheltenham Football Netball Club to talk about, well, a little award he was presented with on the Queen's birthday and uh, see how Cheltenham are faring in 2020, Wiz. Break even, Cole.
Oh no, we've got the Sharps back. Wiz must be back on Southern FM. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's an oldie from the nineties. Talking slide there, the Sharp. Um, it's good to be back in the studio, isn't it? And uh, hey, before we go any further, too, here's a big announcement that we need to go. A good friend of ours from this station and the local footy community in the Southern Footy League, Wayne Fuller. It's a happy 50th birthday to you, my friend, and uh, hopefully one day very soon we'll be back in this studio again doing the fifth quarter in the future. But happy birthday to you, Wayne, um, and I'm sure we'll catch up for a beer soon. Did you say happy birthday? Oh, OK. Happy 50th birthday. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, everybody. Happy birthday to you. And that's, uh, a, and that's just a little nod to our former executive producer on the fifth court, Rob Sharp, who did love Daryl and Ozzy, and we often played that one for people's birthdays. Happy 50th birthday, Bug. Nice work from you. Anyway, we are uh, bringing you a local footy special this morning here on 88.3 Southern FM. Play or not to play, that's the theme of the show. 0404 736 that's 0404. 0400736. Anytime throughout the show between now and midday, you can share your thoughts with us. Had a few interesting SMSs coming through during our chat with Lee Hartman as well. There, Wiz. Yeah, we did. So uh, there was one that uh, one came through that they didn't, don't don't think they were particularly pleased with his answer on the uh, insurance and liability side of things. But mm. um, that's okay. Look, it's a complex thing, but we really welcome your views. So don't be shy. If you've got a view on to play or not to play, now's the time. Oh four oh four triple zero seven three six. And of course, those involved with the amateur football competition a little later on, make sure you're texting any questions that you might have. For the bear, the CEO, Brett Connell, um, and uh, we will be sure to pass those questions on. We will indeed, but right now we've got to get to our next guest on the show. This person, well, he's been well known as break even on Sunday mornings between 10.30 and midday for quite some time. He's basically had every role you can think of at the Cheltenham Football Netball Club as well as the Cricket Club, and for that uh, he was uh, rightfully awarded an Order of Australia medal on the Queen's Birthday Honours list on last Monday for the Queen's Birthday, and uh, it's great to welcome back to the airwaves on Southern FM, uh, a Southern FM favourite, Colin Anderson. Cole, congratulations on the OAM, and uh, thanks for giving us some of your time this morning. Thanks very much for that, Carl. It was... uh you know, quite an honour and uh, great to hear you gentlemen back on the air and giving us something to listen to on a Sunday morning. Thank you, break even, Cole. Nice to hear your voice too, mate. It's been a little while and I do look forward to catching up with you at the footy at some point in the future. Congratulations on the award, mate, and uh, you wouldn't put it down to any one act. This is about service to local football, community football, over almost a lifetime. Um, what... Um, what goes through your mind when you open up the envelope and you find out that uh, you've been ordered an Order of Australia? A um, bit of shock. Um, and it wasn't just football, Wiz. It was, um, I've been involved with for 50 years with the um, Cheltenham Cricket Club, uh, Baseball Club, Junior Football Club, and now the Senior Football Club. Um, <laughs> There's a lot of work in that too, mate, isn't there? And all that, so yeah. Well, they say if you want to get so when... a job done, go to a busy person and ask them. That might be you. <laughs> Very responsible job it is, Wiz, because everything that goes wrong you're responsible for. <laughs> no, true enough, and it's a great award for you and the family. So is that it then? Do you sort of uh, say, well, I've got that now, you dust your hands off and uh, walk off to the beach and relax walking the dog, or uh, is there more to come from Kyle Anderson? Oh, mate, I'd be lost without Saturdays at the, the football or up at the, the local cricket and that, so uh, no, look, looking forward to it, and look... 
without the input of Sue, my wife, obviously, uh, this wouldn't have been possible. Her input is, uh, I believe, um, outstanding, and the, the award is actually uh, a partnership for, the, for us both. Definitely. And, uh, Cole, for you, how's the winter been? It must be pretty quiet aside from the occasional board meeting and uh, the the conversations between the, the club and also the uh, the league just to work out when football and netball will resume. Yeah, it's been difficult because Saturday afternoons, I think we've ended up listening to Saturday races on SEN. Um, there's not much else to do. And as far as board meetings, you know, we've been restricted. You can only have meetings of up to five people in parts and... So everything's virtually been done um, by the phone and uh, talking with the league about what's you know what's going on. And as we all find at the moment, everything's a day-to-day proposition. You know, something might be happening one day and the next day it could be totally changed. So um, we're all in this area where we just don't know, do we? No, that's true. It's uh, three minutes before eleven o'clock here on Southern FM. You're listening to the Beyond the Boundary special post-COVID footy. Uh, show today to play or not to play. We're talking to the great Cole Anderson, break-even Cole from the Cheltenham Football Club, uh, on his uh, recent award, the uh, OAM, which is a tremendous award, but uh, pretty keen on, uh, with the theme here of uh, to play or not to play, we've got a couple of league CEOs in and later on a legend from local footy media, but from a club standpoint, and this is not so much about where to Cheltenham stand, but what are the challenges for a community football club in getting the competition up and running other than, I love my footy, I want to play my footy? I mean, there's a, there's a lot more to it than that, isn't there, Cole? Certainly is. We look, you know, we've got to look at situations, obviously, now with the salary cap at zero, but we've still got outgoings to the league. I know in our case it's over 20,000. We've got to find that. Sponsors, have, obviously, they're very doing a very tough, so they're, they're sort of dried up in a lot of ways. Mm. So, you know, to keep going, you know, we, you've got to be looking at your bar and your canteen. And that comes down to how many people are allowed into the ground and how that can all operate. So, again, until these things are sorted out, um, we hope to be playing, we'd love to be playing, but, mm. you know, Financially, uh, we've got to look at the situation. So, Cole, if there, let's say there's eight games in a home and away season or thereabouts, uh, that'll give you four home games. Not sure about crowds, so bar and canteen, we don't know. Gate, that's the other question. Um, club fees for players, uh, you know, you can't charge them the full season's fees either for only half a season. Sponsors will be the same. They only get half the season. That's assuming people are turning up to watch you run around with their logos on their footy jumper. There's there's a lot of moving parts in this and 20 grand's a lot of money for a footy club to come up with. Where are you going to get it? Well, that's just the start, Wiz. That's just the league. Then, you know, there's other things you've know, got to come into. So, really, you're relying on you know the goodwill of your sponsors, but as we say in this financial situation they're all doing it tough as well so um we've just got to look at you know how we can go about it it's the club's 130th year this year so we were hoping to run some fundraisers and on the long the line of that but uh, again until we know what's happening uh we we can sort of say oh we'd like to do this and we'd like to do that but until we've got a definite path we can follow um it's all up in the air really yeah, and there's a lot of other moving parts as well. I mean, aside from anything else, and I saw recently there's 600,000 people lost their job in, I think it was April. Uh, there are many people out there, you know, not uh, with job, job keeper 
available to them. They've got no work. They're struggling to put food on the table right now. You know, people are losing homes and all sorts of things. And so we're talking about it's great to have footy back and maybe we can make it fly. But it's it's part of a much bigger picture, isn't it? It is, but look, the best thing we can have is footy getting back and giving some people a Saturday afternoon. They've got some something. Look, we don't charge a Cheltenham for anyone to come into the gate. So, you know, we could offer some free entertainment. Look, if they're doing it tough, they can get there, come down and watch the football. It's not going to cost them anything to come in and enjoy an afternoon's, you know, um, entertainment that might take their mind off their, their problems they've got at home with work or, or family problems. Uh, for for a few hours on a Saturday. Yeah, it's a good call too, and I'm sure that there'll be people pretty keen to do that. So, uh, gee, the sustainability side of things. What about safety, Kyle? What are your feelings on um, keeping everybody safe in this environment? And uh, whilst there's a lot of people, old schoolers going around saying, "Ah, oh, it's just a flu, and no one's going to catch it, and all that sort of stuff," and we're going to be careful. So, uh, because there's um, a lot of people being killed by this disease on this planet. So. Uh, good to get up and playing, but how do you feel about safety and where do you think you stand as a footy club if someone does contract the disease? Well, again, this, as Lee was talking about, you know, we've got to find out exactly where we are covered insurance-wise. And uh, we've got our COVID-19 officers at each club, which I'm one at Chelt, uh, and we've got to enforce what the rules are. You know, we're, we're going to make sure the balls are sanitised after each quarter, the coaches' benches are rubbed down at, at the end of each quarter. Um the hardest thing as far as social distancing is with in our park, it's open parkland. Yeah. So uh, we've got to try uh, and get people to obey it, but we can't enforce it because it is open parkland. So, um, again, this is this area where we're really uh, battling to say, yeah, what, what can we do and what can't we do and what happens? Um, and then, you know, who is, if something does happen, who is responsible for it? So I suppose, Kyle, when you do get that reassurance of, you know, what you are and you aren't covered for due to the, the COVID uh, coming in and, and having a massive impact that it has, is, is that when you as a club and other clubs make the call on, on what fields they decide to side in, in 2020? Look, we'd like to field all our sides. The boys have been up training the last week or so and uh, I know they all want to play and uh, the coach is obviously very keen for us to get out there on the field. Mm. So, uh, you know, we'd be keen as mustard to go uh, and hopefully all these things can be sorted out uh, to everyone's um, agreement that you know, we can get the Southern Footy League uh, and netball up and running and give us something to do on our Saturday afternoons instead of sitting around doing nothing. Well, that's true because it sounds like you're not much of a punter, so the race is on a Saturday afternoon. That's got to go, hasn't it? Well, mate, I'm not a punter, but <laughs> it's just a bit of something to do. It's just been... Um, same as usual, but you're at a loss of what to do on a Saturday afternoon, aren't you? Oh, absolutely. And, I, and just by the way, I got zero legs in the quaddy last Saturday. <laughs> so uh, not going too well in that regard. Bring the footy on, I say, in that regard. Mate, definitely. I got zero legs too because I didn't have a bet. Oh, see, what a clever man. <laughs> Gamble responsibly. Uh, always, always. So, Cole, just go back to the uh, award. So they give you a medal or what? Is it something we're going to see you wearing on your Cheltenham uh, tracksuit top when you're down to the footy every week? Or? How does it work? Um, the, got a letter from the Governor General, obviously, um, informing uh, the award had been granted, and then a letter from the Governor of Victoria saying that in September, October, there's a thing at Government House where you're invested and you receive a medal uh, and a 
you see it in McGuire and that they've got this little round badge they put on the lapel of their jackets. You get oh, one yeah, of those yeah. and uh, a certificate. So um, it's not the mate. I'm not ostentatious around wearing round life members badges and all that sort of thing. Um, you know, you wear them for special occasions of general, you know, your presentation nights and that. But um, you know, it's, it's, it's an honour and something definitely that uh, can be held. And it's a family thing. Um, so yeah, it's quite an honour, mate. It really is. It uh, makes you feel you know, quite humble, but you realise that there's so many volunteers we've got out in our community and we need more of them. And, uh, you know, you make so many friends out of being a volunteer uh, at a club and I encourage everyone to get in there and do that sort of thing because you, you know, just get so much more fun and enjoyment out of it. Certainly true. And a letter from the Governor-General too. Presumably he called you break-even coal, as everybody does in the letter. Um, and does... Yeah, we wanted to know how we went with the finals last year and it just died and we broke even. <laughs> <laughs> so does Sue call you break-even coal as well? No, no, no. She was the treasurer for a while, so she knew the figures, mate. Oh, so it's break-even Sue, as it happens. <laughs> Very good, very good. Um, yeah, uh, no, mate, I, I can't tell you how happy I was, how pleased I was for you and the whole family when I read recently that uh, you'd been bestowed with that honour and much deserved for a, a lifetime commitment to community sport and sporting clubs and people. Those who know you, Cole, would know that you're passionate about it and uh, I can hear that in your voice tonight, today, Just not just about the award but more in particular about uh, getting local footy back up and running. Uh, it's uh, it's a really good thing, mate, and congratulations from me. Look, thank you for those kind words, Wiz and Carl. Um, as I say, uh, it is something you don't expect uh, when it comes along. Something like this, uh, you really do, uh, you know, taking a bit of back. But um, you know, I just encourage others out there to, to really get in with your local footy clubs or netball clubs or whatever club it is, and and get behind it because the community is what we're all about. Definitely. There's nothing better that you can do than uh, get involved with footy and uh, netball when uh, when it's when you're able to, when there's not things such as a pandemic uh, affecting it. And uh, Cole, you're a prime example of uh, somebody that uh, served their community well through through sporting clubs, and uh, we appreciate you giving us some of your time this morning on Southern FM. Look forward to having a chat to you again when footy resumes uh, and we're all happy again. Thanks for that, Carl. And look to it. As I say, all the volunteers out there, you know, you've got them at the radio station. Folks like yep. Mark Seymour, they put in a hell of a lot. So, look, uh, thank you very much for the kind words. And uh, let's hope we can all catch up soon and have a, a cold one and uh, talk about the footy. Look Sounds forward good. to it, mate. Your shout, too, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Wiz. <laughs> nice to hear from you, mate. And congratulations again. Thank you very much, guys. There we go. Cole Anderson, OAM otherwise known as Break Even, joining us on our local footy special here on Southern FM. Don't go anywhere. We've still got plenty more to cover this morning, including the CEO of the VAFA, who will be joining us right after this short break. You're listening to 88.3 Southern FM, a local footy special. Text us in any time, 0404 000736.
10 past 11 here on Southern FM 88.3 and it, this is a special post-COVID one-off special edition local footy to play or not to play. Ian Doherty here with Carl Bianco and uh, we've already heard from the CEO of the Southern Footy and Netball League and of course just before that break it was break-even Carl Anderson OAM discussing yeah. his great award. Nice to hear uh, Cole's voice too and be good to see him at the footy at some point one would hope. Definitely. Um, our next guest, Carl, and of course they're all on the phone today. We can't have people. We're both sitting in separate studios here at Southern yep, FM. Just we certainly are. Social distancing. Uh, but I can see you through a little window. So, Unfortunately, uh, you don't look any better through the glass. No, I was going to say the same for you. We might have to use some stuntman for the, for the close-ups later on, uh, if possible, yeah. Carl. But our next guest is a chap that I spent a bit of time on the phone with during the week. Uh, and uh, his passion and knowledge on the subject of uh, returning to footy is almost unparalleled. I'm looking forward to this one. It's the Chief Executive Officer of the Victorian Amateur Football Association. Of course, we have many VAFA players and fans who listen and uh, listen to Beyond the Boundary. That's Brett Connell. Brett, good morning to you and thanks for joining us. No worries, lads. How are you going? Very good, mate. Uh, bright and early on a Sunday morning, it feels that way. Beautiful day outside. It's a shame we're not playing footy today, Brett. Yeah, yeah, it would have been a bit nasty overnight, that's for sure. But, uh, the grounds are uh, be a bit uh, wet underfoot today, if they were junior or senior. But no, it's um, it's looking positive. I mean, there was just some state government announcements, which um, yeah, seem to be uh, all ha- having us tracking in in the right direction. With obviously a few uh, hurdles to still get over, but uh, no, it's looking positive as we hold our line, so to speak. Uh, no, that's true, and uh, it's a moving thing, isn't it? There seems to be, uh, if you were just not off for half an hour, you'll miss something, and uh, as I say, state government announcement straight away. Our discussion earlier in the week, and I really appreciate your time on it and for joining us today, I know that you uh, mentioned to me that the club's concerns were about incurring costs to play. Um, at this point, it looks that uh, you guys are keen to play if you can. Uh, that, that the VAFA has a work in terms of manage, assisting with managing those costs for the VAFA clubs. I think the, the important thing to state right from the start is you know, the health and well-being of our community, and you know, generally contributing to you know lowering or flattening curves and making certain that the community transmissions are at the lower end a, a priority. Our clubs were given the okay to train um, back on the 1st of June with some return to training protocols, which they've all met. Not all clubs have trained because some said, well, we don't want to incur costs until we know whether a season's going to start. So our board decided um, a couple of things we still need to get over, but certainly the 22nd of June will be a deadline for us because we need about a month out before we can plan, particularly for fixturing and have our clubs ready to go. So... Um, Contact training's been announced this morning by the state government on the 13th of July. So, you know, we'd be hoping to get our season, if we step over a few hurdles, um, away on the 25th of um, July, which would then certainly give us a um, about a half a season, so nine nine games, and we're hoping for nine for men and nine for women and maybe two or three-week final series. But um, the financial viability of our clubs is really, really important. We want to make certain, not just in the short term, but the long term they come back you know, reasonably healthy state discretionary spend, spend at, you know, commercially at a, at a local level is, is pretty tough. Um, businesses shut, pubs, clubs, cafes, those sorts of things. So they're the mainstay of our footy clubs. So we're trying to make certain that we balance that out. But um, certainly players and coaches are very keen to return. It's our administrators who we've got to satisfy as well. And our board are pretty keen to um, make certain that we jump over a few things, just make certain that, you know, insurance coverage is... Um, 
appropriate and to the level that we require to certainly protect our clubs and our volunteers. Um, crowd numbers for club, our clubs are probably not vital. We don't take gates, so it's, um, it's certainly stepping through that one. But finals crowds are pretty important for us. Um, yeah. So in terms of cost for clubs... Bear, um, club fees. Yeah. What's uh, is there any plan around what you'd be charging clubs to participate in the twenty twenty season if you are to get it up and running? So we, we've done some financial modelling on um, what would, would actual cost be. Minimum, so reducing costs back, our staffs back to about ninety percent at the moment in terms of costs. Um, we've allowed our clubs and said to our clubs, you only charge a twenty five percent of what a normal okay. association levy would be. We're still waiting on some insurance costs to come from um, from the AFL, which will be forthcoming pretty shortly, I would have thought. Mm-hmm. Um, and then umpire costs, that will be uh, pro rata. So basically clubs will be user-pay system um, if they choose to play, and that's an opt-in basically at this stage. Um, as we get closer, clubs will tell us that they're ready to play and how many teams they want to field, and then we'll be able to let them know um, in around our umpires. But I must say that you know the VAFI UA have been really supportive any discussions we've had with them, they're looking at taking some sort of haircut too on reducing their cost to clubs. Mm. So any every um, for all the focuses have been for us, particularly around reducing our costs across the administration level at the VAFA and cost to clubs to return to play because it's pretty important socially and physically to get out there and have a game of footy, but we all sort of make certain that we get people through this year and then certainly with a plan for next year and the future years that they all come back in a reasonably healthy state. And I know Lee... At Southern, um, and I talk about Western Region, Essendon, Eastern and Northern, we're all in discussions, particularly around that, having a healthy community football competitions um, on the return in 21 and beyond. Interesting on that too, uh, Brett, the uh, Southern, Essendon and Western made an announcement uh, during the week uh, in a joint statement that, uh, well, firstly, there was, I think there was a Western one saying they were aware of the announcements of the Eastern and Northern, but they're uh, since saying that they're uh, going to play footy and if they do, it'll be with a $0 salary cap. Mm-hmm. Um, we did try to reach out to Matt Duck as a former Southern boy. Of course, he's the chief executive at Western. He politely declined, but uh, 22, yeah. I think, of his 25 clubs have voted to play at this point. Where does it mm-hmm. fit with you as an amateur competition to see that these other three leagues have decided to go ahead potentially with a zero-player payment scheme? Oh, that's a matter for them. Um, we've been doing 128 years. We're probably a little bit ahead of... The other comps in terms of having you know, player payments on match days, so you know the, the requirement of gates and bars and you know, trying to drive a revenue through a match day is less impact from our footy club perspective. Um, but the same costs are occurred. You know, you still got to pay for physios and trainers. You're certainly got to get your match day operations, your training lights, all those sorts of things are pretty standard. So I'm really applaud those efforts. I mean, when I worked previously at AFL Victoria, the goal was to try and drive down player payments because volunteers and clubs work so hard to um, generate those um, funds and they've been driving into community infrastructure um, and the like and, and the player payments, that's always going to be there. I like the market. I mean, I like it that we're a point of difference at the VAFA that we don't pay players um, and that we give people a game of footy for the, for the real reasons and I think COVID's provided everyone that opportunity so let's get back to what we all did when we were nine or ten we just love kicking the footy yeah. so um, whether you're a man or a woman 
you certainly can get out there and have a go. That's a good call, actually. It is a good call, just in terms of those cost-cutting. Now, famously, the ammo's for many, many years. Uh, no bar during the game. It only opens up after the game. And understanding that um, income can be pretty important. And I reckon mm. I heard a story that this was being addressed by your good self uh, late last year, reported on the local footy show on Channel 31, uh, mm. that uh, there was a consideration of perhaps opening the bar uh, during the games, uh, and, yeah. and and right now, I guess, in the interest of uh, improving a club's ability to generate revenue, mm. we certainly made that decision back in February. We held that announcement back. Uh, it's more going to be around our club lunches that they'll have extended times. But um, given what the volunteers have got in front of them, just to prepare to come back in a pretty different different environment than they're usually, we're going to hold off those relaxing and those alcohol rules until twenty one just to make certain that clubs can get themselves organised. I mean, some clubs might only get four or five opportunities to play home games anyway, so they might have one or two bigger functions. We might certainly discuss or, um, at this stage, talk to them about extending some of those activities to help with their revenue streams. But at this stage, we've put it on hold for 21, more so for the volunteer burden factor, because we don't really know what the return-to-play protocols look like. Mm. Um, Clubs have moved heaven and earth to make certain they can get out to train, you know, ball sanitizers and hand wipes and everything else that goes along with that temperature checks. Our clubs have been terrific. Um, biggest concern was we might have some breaches. We've had none of those across all of our community, you know, and our, our can only speak for ourselves, but we're really comfortable. The clubs that have returned to training have been responsible, what the protocols look like for playing. Hopefully they're not too onerous um, and they're practical at a local level, um, and then we can look to move to there. Brett Connell is the CEO of the VAFA and he's uh, good enough to give us some of his time this morning here on Southern FM, a local footy special. If you've got any questions for Brett, you can text us in any time throughout the chat, 0404 736. Now, Brett, I've seen a lot of news surrounding players trying to get uh, clearances from other leagues that won't be taking part in uh, local footy this year to the VAFA. Is there a particular policy that the VAFA have, uh, have sort of put out in relation to that, like certain criteria that uh, that will allow for this to happen? Or have AFL Vic advised any any sort of things that, uh, that have to be followed in order for this to happen? Yes, Carl, what, what we did, you know, 10 weeks ago is as the senior community footy comps has got together and talked about trying to be as aligned as possible. No one wants to rape and pillage another competition, certainly if um, Eastern and Northern aren't playing. There will be players who are looking for a game of footy. I think the zero salary cap across all the boards will stop out that people are going to walk in and ask for and demand money and obviously can't do that at the VAFA. So from our perspective, the, the focus was, um, I guess, in particular around the, the transfers in and but probably less out because if we're playing and hopefully we can get up and play, AFL Victoria will put in a, a permit system. So basically, if you're registered with, let's use a club, Roville in the Eastern Footy League, and you have players who are seeking a game of footy because you're not playing this year, they'll be granted a permit to play. So they, and they'll be into the Southern, Western, Essendon or VAFA if we go ahead. Yep. And um, if that's the case, then uh, for the VAFA, specifically for us, there's an integrity piece you need to go through if you're playing as a bona fide amateur. So there's a couple of steps to get through. They can certainly seek um, not a transfer but a recess permit. Um, we'll get some information from AFL Victoria this week on the permit system. Um, but basically, you'll maintain your registration with your local club currently and just be permitted out, a bit like the VFL guys are permitted yep. out to play, um, which will give us... I mean, it, it, it could compromise competitions, there's no doubt about that. We had a strong discussion around that, yep. and our board will certainly consider we don't want a, a flood of players in. I wouldn't have thought too many footy clubs um, generally would want 
you know, five or six players joining them, which meant that the knock-on effect is that some guys are then pushed out of your seniors. Mm. They jump into your reserves. Some guys miss out on a reserve game of footy. And if you haven't got a thirds comp or other things for senior guys, I mean, reserve players are the mainstay of your footy club. So um, all of us to a person said, look, we don't want rape and pillage across the community if this happens. Um, and we certainly want to help protect one another. But um, getting away and playing is most important, particularly in a safe way. So just to follow on from that, uh, I posed the question to Lee Hartman, the CEO of the Southern Football, ne- Southern Football Netball League, a little earlier on to ask whether or not it'll just be primarily your senior competitions, your, your sort of, your, you know, um, your premier divisions that will be coming back or if you'll see, you know, from A to Z uh, returning, including like reserves and thirds and uh, under-19s football as well, which I know there's a lot of uh, different leagues involved with the VAFA more so than the Southern Football Netball League. So is there... A, a particular idea from uh, from the VAFA perspective of how many of those competitions will be returning? So we're in the business of giving people a game of footy, Carl, so everyone wants to play can certainly play. That's yep. the men and our women. And we go pretty deep, so we've had confirmation that the, the majority of our senior men's and women's want to play, so that's seniors and reserves. Mm-hmm. Our under-19 competition certainly would, whether yep. there's seconds and thirds teams at those levels, um, under-19s, we have a third men's senior competition, which yep. uh, in the main has been reasonably strong in the last couple of years. So we think most people want to get back and play. And sure. We have, 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 have had every indication that we won't have a full full deck, but we're certainly close to 80-90% full of and fueling all those teams. And you know, we've got umpires who are really, really keen to umpire and get involved as well because yep. they love the game. So we want to give them an opportunity to run around too. So we're certainly looking for... We won't be 100%, I can guarantee you that, but certainly around that 80-90% of giving people a game of footy if we get up, yeah. Uh, well, we're talking to Brett Connell, the Chief Executive of the VAFA, and he's with us for another couple of minutes here. If you've got a question for him, text it through 0404 We'd love to uh, put that question to Brett. Now, um, bear the... Um we're aware that there are some clubs that perhaps aren't keen on playing for whatever reason. Mm. Uh, where does that? Where do they stand in terms of your competition? If you do go ahead uh, and they don't want to play, will they be penalised? They get left behind. How's it going to work? Well, it, it, it's certainly an opt-in at this stage, and, and any penalty based on um, what uh, the current environment is would be pretty harsh. I would suggest across the board, and mm. that's not a decision we've made, certainly, but you know, our relegation promotion system provides for two up, two down. If at this stage um, any teams indicated they couldn't play, there might well be a buy in, a, in that particular competition. But in terms of penalties for 21, um, we would hope that uh, they would all be able to maintain their mark of where they finished in 19 and know where they were playing in 20. If they choose not to play, we certainly wouldn't be looking to penalise them. We'll be working really closely with them, with Brian Goodman, our club development manager, to make certain that we um, you know, support and assist every possible club. Some are having trouble with grounds. Um, you know, with grounds across metropolitan Melbourne, we cover 28 of the 31 metropolitan councils. So you know, there's North East Link, which is going to affect a couple of footy clubs out that way through Chandler and the Eastern Freeway. So we've got to support some of our clubs in Parks Victoria through... Um, the Albert Park region because some of the infrastructure was left on grounds, basically with a dispute over the, when the Grand Prix was cancelled. So some of those grounds are probably not ready to play on yet. Mm. So we're working really closely with local councils as well to, and the clubs to make certain that we can give them an opportunity to play. And, and obviously the state-of-the-art facility down at Elston Week Park, well, if we can get teams on there as well and support them, 
it's uh, it's a it's an association investment. So certainly, if that ground's vacant and clubs wish to play and we can't find a ground, we certainly would be providing one at Elston Wick Park. So we're lucky in that respect too. Mm, okay, so keen to play. What uh, what would yes. the final series look like? I mean, Lee has suggested that Southern are keen to, uh, based on the announcement today that t- July twenty five could be a start date, and you've indicated that around the same. There's ten Saturdays between July twenty five and the end of September, um, mm. and then perhaps through to Caulfield Cup day beyond that for a final series um, how would it look because you guys have been running a final four system if I recall still yeah, so we so. run three week final series mm. um, our footy ops team worked pretty closely we all said when we knew what the what the date was we'd work back from there um, you know there's a cricket Victoria AFL Victoria um, announcement or an arrangement that we can play into October if need be I don't think we go to the situation where we just have the premier, so the premiership given to the team finishing on top. There's certainly been an indication from the majority of our clubs that they want an incentive to play. So a final series is certainly, whether it's two or three weeks will depend on, I guess, our um, finances to make certain that we can manage that, mm-hmm. make certain we come out the other end as an association, that our clubs can afford it with umpiring as well. Yeah. The two- or three-week final series is certainly now possible given the state government announcements today, but we'll announce that further. We've got a a board meeting on the 22nd. We certainly need to make a decision on or before then around our season. and We may... um, you know, produce a fixture, certainly, um, but with a bit of a watch this space on the finals and how long it will go for. Because um, if crowds uh, can come back and there's certainly some positivity around the AFL and those larger venues, I mean, we don't have massive crowds. We're not talking tens, twenties, thirty, forty thousand people. We're certainly talking those three to five thousands at our finals venues. So if we can practically manage finals and crowd attendances, we'll certainly be pursuing that um, to make certain we support all their clubs. So just be clear then, uh, Bear, we're talking about uh, a board meeting for yourselves uh, on or around June 20-something, which is not that far away. 22nd, yeah. And we're not going to know for sure until then, but if it is a go, would you be able to put a number in your gut? What's the the percentage of uh, likelihood that you think you'll get a season up and running? At this stage, we've got some hurdles to get over. So we need some assurances around our insurance. You know, the protection of our volunteers is number one. That's we a big thing, isn't it? The, yeah, and we want to make certain... We want to know those costs. We certainly want to know um, crowds, you know, probably less of a concern for us. And we think, though, if we keep doing what the right thing, the crowd numbers will increase over. So we start in July, and it's certainly across August and September. That'll increase... Uh, the protocols, we need to be certain that they're not going to be up too onerous on our volunteers, as we all know. I mean, without volunteers, our footy clubs and our competitions don't run. So that's a big piece for us. We've had really strong and um, healthy discussions with the AFL and AFL Victoria about you know being practical for local clubs and volunteers to be able to manage. So that's obviously a really, really important one for us. So it's 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 the insurance piece. It's certainly around the financial viability of our clubs and making sure that those protocols are ticked off. So um, they're the the things we need to satisfy. As I said, the state government announcement today certainly gives us a little bit more positivity. Um, We're over a few hurdles. In terms of percentages... I mean, we're in the game of giving people. We're in the business of giving people a game of footy. So um, I'll stand by that, and I won't put a percentage around it just in case something breaks. But certainly, um, we, we, we want to move every, I guess, every burden out of our way and jump every hurdle and get close and make a really informed decision by the twenty second to give our clubs a good lead in and ourselves to prepare for um, what will be a really strange season, but a really unique season and. 
you know, we're really positive with the other three competitions at senior level that we can get something up. So trying to get effectively 85 to 90 percent of uh, the football back uh, as best as you can, would you be opposed to, say, having a, a Premier B club recruit some players from a Premier C club that could be close by or even lower divisions for, for that matter? Yeah, well, I mean, it, 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 Carl, there's some, it's something that we can't stop. We certainly would be discouraging it. And within the VAFA, there's certain rules that we would uh, impart upon clubs. If there was a mass exodus out of a club into another club, sure. we certainly would be um, reviewing that strongly. And it's it's likewise if um, there's plenty of players who are seeking transfer into a particular club, um, we certainly would be reviewing that. We just don't want compromised seasons. If we're going to get away, we want to give all our players who are registered and were registered last year and are keen to play and committed this year again the footy. Um, what it looks like, probably no one knows at this stage. Um, but certainly we're very, very positive about playing. Uh, we've got to get over some hurdles and a decision we made on the 22nd. Yeah. So I asked uh, Lee this question earlier in the show. I'm going to ask you as well, and it's purely hypothetical, and I understand that you're still seeking some assurances around insurance. But uh, let's say in a hypothetical situation you get a season up and running and a player, whilst playing, contracts COVID-19 and falls seriously ill, and um, Mm -hmm. maybe even the worst happens. Who knows? We don't want to... Uh, put that on anybody, um, where would that leave yourself and, importantly, your board of directors in terms of liability? And that's the position we need to find out directly from the uh, insurance policy and coverage. Yeah. Um, right now, if someone tests positive um, within a club, it's a, it's a health department issue. The AFL, VAFA, it's not a decision that we would make. They would certainly um, look to isolate that person and maybe the people they've been in touch with. So, I mean, that's the risk, certainly, if we continue and play, that um, there is a community outbreak within a club or within a competition. So it's certainly one that we're um, watching really closely. In terms of the insurance piece, certainly everyone needs to be assured. Um, People acting responsibly um, and and reasonably in this day and age, it's no different. I've used the example of of COVID being, you know, if we remove the COVID piece, I can't remember... A, um, a community volunteer being sued or the policy being brought into question because someone acted unreasonably or you know, with malicious intent. Everyone's doing their right thing. The protocols are in place. If people do their very best to meet those protocols, um, my understanding is the policy would um, would cover that. And it doesn't cover it if you get the flu or a cold. Sure. That's not a player accident issue. So certainly if someone contracted COVID, um, the concern would be around the community transition more than the liability piece. But you know, I hasten to add that in 25 years of footy, I've never heard of a volunteer being sued and the policy being brought to bear based on someone's you know, acting unreasonably or, or intent. So that's, I guess, the best answer I can give to that No, question. I understand. And look, it's a fair call um, too, based on our 25 years' experience. There's a lot of experts out there, and I said this to a family member a couple of weeks ago. Um, you bump into a lot of experts as you go along, but the truth is we've never been through this before and we don't really know any of us. No. So, but in a traditional sense, of course, board of directors, there is an element of liability, uh, potentially. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, uh, they've they got to make calls and got to make certain that they were. It's a lot of responsibility, isn't it? Yeah, they, they certainly need to be well informed. And I think that's where the AFL and AFL Vic have been terrific in providing us information. I mean, people have been screaming out for it to be more timely. There's certainly been a lack of certainty, which is out of everyone's hands, really. I mean, the state government. 
if you look at other states, WASA have returned a lot sooner to community sport, but they had a lot less community transmissions. Victoria have been conservative by name and nature, I would argue. But we're certainly at a positive state now, and they realise the importance of getting community sport back up and running, not just in the VAFA, but you know, across senior men's competitions and also all our juniors. I mean, um, people get back to playing. And I was only out this morning up the road, and I've never seen cafes and roads as busy and as full. So certainly people want to get back to some form of normality. And if that's attending your local community sport, given crowds are restricted at an AFL level, um, it certainly might be a real boon for local community economies um, and, and interest, which I think you know, has waned at times, only because there's so much interest in the AFL. You can watch it on the telly, you can watch it on your, on your phone, you can do it everywhere else. Um, but going to local sport is, is really important. That's been in my blood for since I was a young bloke, so um, it's certainly something we need to continue. Yeah, I hear there's a real need for it too. I think uh, most of the amateur football community were playing golf at Royal Glen Waverley over the last few <laughs> Saturdays. The queue goes out into the car park at the moment. They've no People have got nothing else to do. Um, but we'll get back to uh, maybe I can get a game soon when local footy starts up, if it does. Hey, Brett, uh, really appreciate you giving up your time uh, this morning. Uh, it's a very, very complex issue, and um, you seem like you're right across it. Uh, appreciate you wouldn't put a percentage on uh, wanting to know whether you play or not, but it seems as though the VAFA are keen to push ahead if they can. Um, but around assurances around insurance being the critical one, and of course financial st- sustainability as well. You've been a great, oh, you are a great representative and ambassador for VAFA, and we appreciate you giving up your time this morning, mate. No problems any time, Wiz, and thank you again, Carl, and good luck, boys. Keep up the good work, and uh, let's watch, uh, watch with interest. That, you know, let's hope that community sport gets up and running junior and senior level, and we can all get back to some sense of normality and enjoy those crowds and whistles on a Saturday afternoon rather than the trains and the cars running past your house. Eh? Spot on, pal. That's <laughs> absolutely right. Brett, thanks for joining us, mate. Thanks, lads. All the best. Brett Connell, the CEO of the Victorian Amateur Football Association. Very generous with his time and quite knowledgeable too, creating a bit of a clearer picture for everybody involved. It's 24 minutes before midday here on Southern FM. You're listening to a special edition of Beyond the Boundary here. To play or not to play local footy, that is the question. We'll be back with another studio or guest on the phone. (laughs) Might be a studio guest, Carl. Uh, And it'll be the great Daryl Pittman from the local footy show joining us right after this break. Monday morning traffic drives me up the bloody wall And Tuesday through to Friday gets me down But the feeling quickly passes when the weekend comes again And I line up for me tickets at the ground Oh, I do love the Saturday hour when my mates and I go off to see the game Yes, I do love the Saturday Harbour Cos there's nothing in the world that's quite the same Standing in the open with the rain all down me neck Ain't the kind of thing to make me jump and shout But I'm full of consolation when a ruckman grabs the ball And kicks a sausage roll from 60 metres out Oh, I do love the Saturday Harbour when my mates and I go off to see the game Yes, I do love the Saturday Harbour Cause there's nothing in the world that's quite the same It nearly knocks me over when a wingman or a rover Hits a forward in the stomach with a pass 
And I'll be cheering and the clapping when the opposition captain goes sliding through the goal square on his football jumper. An evening at the ballet doesn't really turn me on, while sitting through the opera is just a bore. But there's nothing so divine as all the tingles down my spine when the crowd out in the outer starts to roar. Oh, I do love the Saturday Harbour. Oh, we love that theme, Wiz. It can only mean one thing, really, when we play that. <laughs> I actually haven't heard that full version with all four, three or four verses. They're oh, have very you? entertaining. That's <laughs> very good. Well, it was made famous, of course, when the man we're joined on the line by uh, right now, Daryl Pittman, uh, created Southern Football League coverage. Well, football. The Southern Churches, I think, into the Southern Football League uh, here on 88.3 Southern FM 30 years ago. And 30 years later, we get the great man who is a life member of the station and a uh, well-known voice and also face around the community media traps. And uh, it's great to have Daryl Pittman on the line having a chat to us this morning. Daryl, thanks for joining us this morning. Good morning, Carl. It's a pleasure. Good morning, Wiz. Uh, good morning, boss. How are you? <laughs> good, mate. <laughs> I was just saying to Carl, I don't know if you heard us on the line there, but I don't think I've heard that song in its uh, entirety before. It's very entertaining. <laughs> yes, it's very good, and we've been very lucky to have been allowed to use that for the last oh, more than 20 years on the show. So, um, you know, it's, it's become uh, become very identified with the show. No doubt about it, and uh, we, we are definitely, by the way, Carl, speaking to local football broadcasting royalty today, no question about it. <laughs> Get away. And, of course, I uh, inducted into the SFNL Hall of Fame a few years ago as well. It's great to have you, mate. Now, before we get on to what's going on with uh, the local footy show on Channel 31 and the uh, uh, and the looming deadline there, I'm keen to get your views. We've been talking for the last oh, over an hour now about uh, local footy, to play or not to play. That's the theme of today's show, and we've been speaking with a couple of league CEOs and club people. What are your thoughts on uh, what uh, you see and hear going on and how do you see local footy playing out for the 2020 season, if there is one? Well, we'll be looking at that on our show next week too, Wiz, because we've got a few people uh, going to talk about that. But yes, it really is a case of the want-to-plays and the, the don't-want-to-plays. The administrators seem to have been, uh, for the want of a word, uh, probably a little bit spooked. Um, they feel responsible. Um, I know a lot of their club presidents have said, look, we're going to lose too much money if we go ahead. So a lot of the decisions have been predicated upon that. Mm. Um, whereas the players themselves are absolutely busting to play. A lot of them are busting to play. Sure. So it's a, it's a very difficult situation for everybody. And I don't think there's a right and a wrong here. I don't think that, the, you know, uh, it, it's what situation is going to suit each league. Um, but if there's suddenly a, a bit of a um, opening up of the regulations and suddenly uh, local sport in other states are all going ahead, I think there'll be a lot of uh, Victorian sportsmen saying, hang on, what's going on here? Well, well, correct, what's going on here, and uh, will they play or not? You're quite right that I think the players want to play. The administrators probably have been a little spooked. We've just spoken on a few who seem quite well informed, but they're certainly not committing to a start just yet. No, well, there are a few leagues saying they're going to go ahead. The Pecola Football League has said it's going to start on July 11. Um, the president of the Stony Creek Football Club, who will be on our show next week, um, has also released a, a text saying that uh, his club is raring to go and looking for a start on July 18. 
and uh, hoping that the league will sanction start on July 18 in the Albany Football League. So there are some clubs agitating to play. Mm. So it will be very interesting. The next two weeks are going to be uh, crucial, of course. I can quote some of those as well. The AFL Bar and Regional Manager Will McGregor is saying work is well underway for a return to play. Um, I'm looking at some of the others. Dramana Tigers. Uh, the Division One premiers for the MPNFL says uh, they believe that the 2020 season should be canned. Um, well, the president well, of St Mary's Footy Club says uh, he believes AFL Bowen are jumping the gun. I don't think I've seen an issue where there's been so many diverse opinions. I thought that the uh, AFL Barwon had announced that all three Geelong leagues had uh, cancelled cancelled their season. Yeah, interesting. So I've, and I've got a note in here in a separate uh, a separate post for that as well. Geelong League, uh, Bellaroon, Geelong and District, Colac and District have all yeah. pulled the pin. Uh, the president of Mary's, Travis Robertson, saying he believes AFL Barwon are jumping the gun. Uh, the yes, Winchelsea president, yes. uh, Daniel Gresky, uh, says that the uh, the boys down at Winchelsea are prepared to play. It seems like, um, you know, even some of those other country leagues you're talking about starting sooner than the Metro, who at the moment are saying, gee, it might be possible from July 25. So mm. there's just a lot of uh, uncertainty around this and, and varied opinions and it just makes it even more complex, well, it, doesn't it? But, for my personal opinion, I just think it's an absolute tragedy that our young people aren't playing sport. Yeah. Um, if it's the reason, the financial reasons only. I think that's very sad. Mm. Um, I think it's a shame that we can't work a way around that so that we get the, uh, you know, the girls back on the netball court and the, 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 the blokes back on the footy field and the girls in the footy field as well, so that we get our young people, especially in the uh, regional areas, the country towns, uh, get them back playing sport. And, you know, OK, we might have to take a bit of a hit financially. We might have to work our way around it. Players who get paid might have to say, well, OK, I'll play for the love of the game for, for nine games, you know. Mm, and it, mm. That's all it's going to boil down to. Yeah, sure. Um, it's a shame we can't make a will to actually get out there and play. It's funny, isn't it? And I've learned this through working with you on your show, and I've had the opportunity after the previous... God knows how many years just with the Southern footy community to get out and look at some of the others and travel out to the country. And, and it's not until then you realise how important the local football and netball club is to the entire community of a small country town. And to not have it, um, you can imagine to have a tremendous impact on the community. Yes, yes. I've, you know, I've, it's forever frustrated me with that um, our politicians say how important it is. Gil McLaughlin says... Uh, last week, how important it is um, local local sport in our um, country regions, in particular. But then, at government level, they don't follow that up. It's never followed up. They give two hundred and twenty-five billion to the AFL, mm. um, you know, and country teams are folding. It doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, you're spot on, and and mm. you feel like it. Whilst they understand it, it might have been a while since Gill's been out to see a game played in the Pickler League, albeit that that's not his job, mm. but. You know, you want a demonstration no. that they actually get it and the importance of the community. Yeah, I, look, I, I don't mind anyone calling it the way they see it, but I, I, I get very frustrated with um, hypocrisy. I get frustrated with people saying one thing and then doing another. And I know you and I have talked about this uh, off-air um, previously, and, and that's, that's a great frustration, but it sort of bleeds into the next issue. Um, and, and one that I'm particularly interested in um, you stating the case on at the moment for a long time now, this cloud's been sailing over Channel 31 mm. as a community broadcaster. And while that's been going on, of course, originally the Southern Footy Show and then more recently, well, for most of the time, the local footy show, an award-winning 
TV show about uh, local football, Daryl, that you're uh, largely responsible for. Um, it, it, it appears that the station may be finally closing down after a few extensions on June 30, which would put an end to it all. What's the current state of play, and uh, what are the uh, what are the moving parts in this? How do we get this up so that uh, it could continue? Well, unfortunately, it appears as though the uh, Minister for Communications, Paul Fletcher, is digging his heels in, hmm. and uh, this is really sad because the 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 outstanding uh, aspect of this is there's no need for it. There is no need for Channel Thirty One to be closed down. Um, it's occupying a spectrum that the government says they eventually want, but they have admitted they won't be using it for at least another five years. Have they said what so they want to use five... it for, Des? Uh, look, I, I'm not across that technical aspect, yeah. but um, that's basically the, you know, the Form 4 Caulfield Tech view of it. <laughs> <laughs> that still exists, Caulfield Tech? <laughs> the extent of my education, <laughs> So, you know, they, they, they do want the spectrum for other purposes. And I think Turnbull had originally said it was to uh, uh, to sell to, um, you know, multimedia companies or whatever mm. and be used for other things, that, that uh, community television was occupying something that the government could make a lot more money out of. I think that's that's the, uh, the crux of it. But they have said they won't be using it for at least five years. There's going to be white noise. You turn on, turn on Channel 31, which is Digital 44... Mm. Um, for the next five years, you'll get white noise. So they're sacrificing, in order for that white noise, um, a whole lot of locally made programs. Uh, people who've learned their television, a lot of people in commercial television now yep. who've learned their craft uh, at Channel 31, both, both sides of the camera, and there's just no reason to get rid of it, no reason whatsoever, apart from the fact that six years ago, Malcolm Turnbull made a decision. And now they're digging their heels in saying, well, you've had a couple of extensions, mm. uh, so now we're going to, to kick you off. But there is no rhyme or reason for Channel 31 to go. It's absolutely appalling. And it's important to note too, Daryl, that it doesn't cost the government anything. Channel 31 itself uh, is completely sustainable on its own. It stands mm. alone financially, right? On its own. I believe the government has made funding available for the community uh, television stations around the country to... Um, um, convert to to the digital um, media, mm. um, but you know, uh, as far as uh, going concern and, and looking after yourself, Channel Thirty One funds itself. It's never received a cent of taxpayers' money, and that's the other thing. A lot of our viewers are confused and they think, "Oh, gee, they're being defunded." Not being defunded at all. We've all, always paid our own way, and the ratepayer hasn't had the, the taxpayer hasn't had to pay a cent. So, Daz, um, time's our enemy this morning. Obviously, it's 11 minutes before midday here on Southern FM. We're talking to Daryl Pittman, the uh, star and host of the local footy show on Channel 31, talking about the imminent closure, unfortunately, at Channel 31. Two questions, Daz. Firstly, what people listening now, what can they do to assist perhaps lobbying the government or petitioning or whatever to perhaps get another extension for Channel 31? And the other uh, element think, of the question is what sorry. what happens what happens to uh, to us if it closes down? What are you what are you and Benny going to do? And Kev? Well, first part of your question, uh, contact your local coalition federal member. Yep, right. Um, and that's the other that, that's the other thing side of this, which is that uh, the other parties are all in support of uh, community television. It is only the coalition government that is against it. Yep. Um, all the other major parties, the crossbenchers, are all in favour of community television. 
But uh, Paul Fletcher's digging his heels in, and we want to know why. Is there more behind this? Why? There's got to be more behind mm. such a ridiculous decision. So this is the question we want our uh, viewers and everybody interested to ask uh, the Federal Coalition members, because they're the ones um, who can make a difference and speak to the minister and say, hey, look, you know, this is all a bit silly. Um, so that, that's, that's what they can do. Mm. Second part of your question, what happens to the local footy show? Well, we don't know, and we won't know. I thought when I was speaking to you today that I might have an answer on um, Channel 31's future because there was a, um, I believe, a meeting scheduled for last Wednesday, yeah. but it has been postponed until next Wednesday. Right, okay. Uh, so whether that's a good sign, Yeah, so whether that's a good sign or not, mm. I don't know. But, mm. um, look, <laughs> there are options available for the local footy show, but um, whether they're going to be practical for us or not, I don't know. So I, it could, you know, the next two shows could very well be the end of the local footy show. That's, yeah, that's desperately sad. I the, can't believe that. The unfortunate thing is we've already seen community television stations shut down in Brisbane, Sydney, and in Perth as well. So the only two remaining community television stations that are still operational are Channel 31, which is on 44 Digital in Melbourne, and Channel 44 in Adelaide. So the two remaining community television stations are uh, at high risk of having to be pushed online, which has been the succession plan for uh, for community television, which really is not uh, a great alternative for uh, all those people that have enjoyed being on community television. And I don't really think it'll happen. Yeah. I don't mm. really think that 90% of the shows will go onto a digital platform because that's what not their, not their demographic, it's what they're viewing. Not what, well, in our case, it's certainly not our viewing audience. Mm. Um, and, you know, the, the, the thing that really annoyed me about all of this, a couple of years ago when Malcolm Turnbull was still Prime Minister, he, uh, he appeared on ABC Radio. Well, he didn't appear, he was heard on ABC Radio, <laughs> saying saying that, uh, you know, the, there are only 2,000 viewers peak time. He was going on Sydney figures. Sydney's um, community television station was a very, very small affair, didn't have a lot of programs, and was nothing like Channel 31 in uh, Melbourne, which is probably world, world standard, mm. uh, where we get 100,000 viewers. Um, and in fact, the viewing audience has gone up in the last three months. Channel 31's viewing audience has increased by 23% more than the commercial channels. Mm. So Malcolm Turnbull went on radio and uh, he virtually told a lie because he said, oh, there's only 2,000 people. He was quoting Sydney where the community television scene was virtually non-existent and that was a, uh, a, you know, it was a lamentable thing to do and it, 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 it spread the wrong message. Certainly did. Hey, uh, Darrell, we uh, always appreciate your time uh, here at Southern FM. You, we wouldn't be here this morning if it wasn't for you establishing Southern Sport on Sunday mornings with John Kelly and uh, many others on a Sunday morning between 9 and midday. So uh, on that, thank you so much for doing that 30 years ago. Thank you so much for joining us this morning for a chat and raising awareness on uh, keeping community television and the future of community television and uh, look forward to continuing to watch you on the local footy show no matter where it be. Thank you very much, Carl. You're very kind because if I hadn't have started the uh, Southern Sport 30 years ago, somebody else would have, so I just got in first. (laughs) 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 Thank you very much, and it's an absolute pleasure to uh, be on talking to you blokes this morning, and you're doing a great job.
Thanks, Daz. Great to talk to you, pal. And uh, I'm sure we'll catch up again soon. That's Daryl Pittman, the uh, host of the local footy show on Channel 31. And pretty sad, Carl, that uh, an iconic product such as that could be lost to us all in just a couple of weeks. Yeah, real sad indeed. Hey, we're going to shoot to a quick break, and I have a surprise for you after this, Wiz. I haven't told you. So uh, we'll see if we can get this person on the line right after this. Radio. I don't know where this is going to go, Wiz. But... On a Sunday morning between 10.30 and midday, usually you have uh, one John Bennett joining you, and I happened to bump into him at a local establishment last night, so I thought, why not get the great John Bennett on the line to say good morning to his old mate, Ian Sheehan. Good morning, Beanie. G'day, Carl. G'day, Wiz. Hello, Shags. How are you? <laughs> oh, I've been listening to you, boys. Very interesting conversation, isn't it? Well, I did send you a text last night to let you know to tune in, and uh, this yes, is Carl inviting me to join him today. <laughs> Not the fifth quarter. Unfortunately, it's beyond the boundary, but you never know. Maybe one day soon we might get that fifth quarter back up and running, mate. You never know. You never know. So it's been a long winter, hasn't it? It sure has. <laughs> As they say in the classics, it's been a long winter and summer. Well, your golf game would have improved out of this, surely. I've hardly played. Really? I've been, um, been too busy isolating. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> isolating with the Carlton grass. I was going to say, for the only person you know that can make self-isolating sound like a form of self-harm of some description. Well, it hasn't been all that bad, exactly. <laughs> so, no, so we're, uh, we're looking forward to the season beginning, it looks like. So the Tunners are keen uh, to play, obviously, is the answer to my next uh, question. Well, I think everyone's keen to play. I think uh, with all the protocols put in place and all that, I mean, everyone wants to play footy. We need to play footy and get out in the fresh air again and um, experience local footy. I mean, that's what it's all about. But obviously, the keys around finances is a big player. I think the salary cap back to zero is fantastic. As I think the uh, the CEO from the Amateurs said, yep. uh, get back to how it used to be 30 years ago. Mm. Good old-fashioned footy, isn't it, John? So, uh... it's, yeah, so we're, the doors are open. I think it's great that we can, every all the clubs now open your doors. If you put all the right protocols in place and, um, you know, everyone wants to play footy can go and play footy now. Also means you might be able to sneak, sneak down to Tunnelland for a couple of cool drinks at some point too, if that's the case. Oh, it'd, be, it'd be nice. Be nice, uh, and I think if we're finals around October, it'd be great weather. It'd be an interesting, um, depending again on crowds, but I think by October it should be opened up a fair bit. Geez, you'd be busy uh, though, Bernie, wouldn't you? Everyone does the right thing. Mid October, middle of the spring well, carnival, you'd be busy. We've had a good rest. We've had a good rest. Don't yeah, forget. True. So I think for the sake of nine weeks, nine weeks, ten weeks, whatever we play, if we play, um, I mean everyone. Had a break, everyone's jumping their skin to do something. And how's the yeah. uh, how's the surface, the playing surface down there at the home of football, Tunnelland? Well, excellent. And I think uh, if your ground's not excellent now, you're in a lot of trouble for the future. <laughs> <laughs> Most grounds I've gone past and had a look at, they're all in. They've all got beautiful surfaces, so. Yep. There's no excuses. No, none at all. One thing I know for sure, notwithstanding the surface there, but the bar will be fully stocked and ready to go. Oh, I'd say it will be uh, in coming weeks. Might even meet you oh, down there for a sneaky one later. Yeah, I was just interested with the, the release. Uh, Dale talking about country footy starting on the 11th or the 18th, and then Metropolitan on the 25th. I, I don't understand why it wouldn't all align together and all start on the 11th or the 18th. It just adds to the confusion too, doesn't it, Johnny? Uh, that's, that's the part I don't understand. Yeah. If one 
you know, competition can start, every competition should be starting the yep. same day. I mean, dragging it out to right to the back end of July is still a fair way away. And that's the only thing with, you know, obviously interest, which I think might hurt our reserves competition a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. But, and... uh, a, lot to, a lot to play out. And, you know, I was, I was I last when I heard you said two years since you've been in the chair. You know, we got there earlier, but. Well, hey. There's always something stopping. Well, oh, no, true. Yeah, we were. Since you've been in the studio. Well, it's nearly two. Back in yeah. the chair, but you know, you know, he got in there earlier. The start of the year, we were nearly back. Yeah, we were. We're only, we're only about a week or so from making a comeback, and that's been put off. So we'll have to just uh, cross our fingers we can pull that off. And your mate, uh, your uh, your mate, the bug turned fifty over the well, weekend. He had to cancel his party. Yeah. Well, I'm glad about that because he didn't invite me. Didn't he? You missed the cut. Yeah, no, well, you would have been on it somewhere. I'll, sure. I'll have to check my inbox. Yeah. yeah. Well, he didn't get all the invites out because of this. Mm. Yeah, true That's enough. That's true, yeah. True enough. So, never mind, you know. He'll be, be 60 before he knows it. We'll that. <laughs> Don't be afraid of being 60, John. You've already done it, haven't yeah, you? you? You've been no, such a great... I'm not 60. You, you've been such a great idol to him over the years, John, so... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. he's here. Plenty, plenty of time off to write birthday. him that letter too, John. Reply to his well, letter when he was seven. Work. I'll take his letter to his 50th birthday and yeah. read that to everybody. <laughs> Can you, please? It'd just be like a 21st, right. but reaching another milestone. Hey, uh, Beanie, right, I appreciate you giving us some of your time this morning, mate. I thought it wouldn't be a Sunday morning if we didn't get a couple of minutes from you. Uh, hopefully, it's not the last time this year that you're heard on a Sunday morning and we can get the fifth quarter back up and running, providing we get some footy. So, um, thanks yep, for jumping on. Cross our fingers. Yep, There's fingers still crossed. a bottle of Glen 20 in this studio, too, to get rid of the John Bennett Good smells. Good boys. <laughs> <laughs> see you, Beanie. I'll see you soon. See you, Johnny. John Bennett joining us, the last guest of a jam-packed local footy show here on 88.3. We've got to get out of here. Wiz was already gone a minute over time. Yeah, whoops, sorry. Oh, well. Thanks for having me, Carl. It's been fun. Hey, always a pleasure to talk local footy with you, Wiz. Yeah, it is. I've enjoyed it. I hope we do it again soon. It's been another great edition of uh, Southern Sport. Well, the first one during the winter series on 88.3 and our 30th year of bringing local footy and local uh, sport in general. Hopefully, we'll be bringing you more in the weeks to come. If you want to know more, uh, head to the Southern FM Facebook page because we'll keep you updated on what's going to happen with Southern Sport moving forward. Hopefully, as I said, we get the footy back and we bring you those results. Until then, I've been Carl Bianco in the Wisdowdy. It's a pleasure. <laughs> Pleasure's all yours, Carlos. And my great to talk to everybody. We'll see you again soon. Take care.